anyone, the young kids out there listening, don't don't get into record collecting. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't do it. That was internet radio DJ John Binder. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Welcome to episode 22, part 2. Though he works part-time at a hospital, music is a big part of John's life. Whether it's the venue calendars he's constantly checking out, the hundreds of live shows he's been to over the years, or his show on Radio Valencia, Tighten Up Your Wig, music is, as John puts it, a good friend. Also, and this comes about halfway through the episode, if anyone listening does know when the Hemlock Tavern opened, please let us know. Here's John. Enjoy what we have. It's really cheap. It's still cheap. Like these shows are, you know, Parkside, you're never going to pay more than 12 bucks. Right. You know, and people bitch about that, yet they'll go get a $17 martini down the street. Right. You know, it's just like, try to keep in perspective. There's like 19 people playing in, ba- you know, in these bands on this bill. Mm-hmm. They're working for like pizza and like beer tickets, you know. And, and plus all the money it costs to have equipment and yeah. rent uh, practice studio of course and, and drive across the country to come yeah. to your shitty little rock and roll club you know it's like yeah. i'm hoping that you know things will get <clears throat> people will recognize that and like have sympathy for but you know it's kind of I, I i'm not sure exactly the jury's still out but it seems that you know it's kind of dying and, and it comes and goes and rock and roll comes and goes and punk rock comes and goes and but, and I'm not saying that, you know, technology is killing, because in a lot of ways, like technology is, is exposing cool kids to really cool music. Mm-hmm. Like in the old days, I mean, I'm almost 50 years old, man. In the old days, like you just knew cool people and that's how you got the cool music. Yep. And you might, you know, read Rolling Stone magazine or Spin or, you know, whatever. The cooler magazines back in the day or, or a zine here and there, but like. You're pretty much at the mercy of the universe to like figure out these either things. some cool kid in the neighborhood mm-hmm. or like someone's cool parents or like you said the ma- yeah. the magazines were huge and actually the parents thing was you know because you could steal their records because mm-hmm. they were you know they they'd been these hippies who became yuppies who like were driving BMWs and like they weren't really you know guarding their record collection so you could like kind of pilfer that right and that's what I did and I'm not proud of that but it's like. They're not listening to it. I really want this record. You know, I can only mow so many lawns or whatever to make, you know, you know, money back in the in the eighties. I'll just take this record. I'll take this traffic record. I'll take this cream record. I'll take this Hendrix record, Frank Zappa, whatever it may be. And that's, you know, so that builds the foundation of your your own personal uh, taste level. And then you spread that to other people and I mean that's sa- it still works that way. And if you live in San Francisco and you like music and you bitch about, oh, there's nothing to do in San Francisco. It's changing so much. It's just not as fun as it used to be. Oh, my God. It's like, go see live music. But there's there's some really good record stores in town. Uh, one, two, three, four, go. Mm-hmm. is a great place to buy really high quality used uh, records, you know, 12 to $16 range, sometimes less. And sometimes I'll find something I know is rare and it's like nine bucks. And I'm just like, I get up to the counter and the guy's like, oh, wait, no, this is, this is, um, nah, it's too late, dude. The price tag's on Price it. is price. <laughs> yeah. Amoeba, you know, Amoeba's not the best place to buy records now. But if you dig, if you dig through the bargain stuff, you, you'll find something. Mm-hmm. But it's just price to move, man. Discogs kind of screwed all that up. Everyone knows what things are worth now. 
it's always like you know a dollar or less from the discogs price which is fine but you know it's it's all been commodified and I, i'm buying less vinyl now than i ever have in a way just because it's gotten too expensive but you know i like going in the ma and pa stores when i'm traveling or even you know in the bay area there's a place called mod lang in the east bay mm-hmm. el cerrito i'll go over there and you know, I'll kind of flirt with the girl that works there, and she gives me good prices on like old, like sixty shit, whatever. You know, it's like I'm a whore. I'll I'll, uh, I'll whore myself out for a cheap, like you know, whatever it may be. I remember going to um, the covered wagon. They were doing at least by '97. They were doing uh, what was it? Pe- uh, Stinky's Peep Show. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that? No. So that was that was the premier like Thursday night punk rock thing. A lot of LA bands, really great DJs. The best like rock and roll DJs of the time would play that Thursday night. Um, but I, you know, I don't. I mean, probably the the biggest, the first big show, like the first like show at the Fillmore, may may have been like the Cramps and Halloween. I'm pretty sure because I remember moving here in '96. I'm pretty sure the Cramps. I'm not positive. I know I for sure 97 because I, it's over there, <laughs> yeah. uh, 97 or 98, but uh, probably the Cramps, which I'd seen, you know, I was living in Colorado before I moved here and they would play New Year's Eve and they would play Halloween in San Francisco for years and years. But, uh, you know, the underground shows, I don't remember, man, but maybe the Covered Wagon because that was just like kind of the place and I miss that place. I mean, that was such a great just a cool room i remember seeing plan nine it was like a misfits cover band that used to play a lot around here nice deadbolt all these cool bands from like san diego and and la would come up here it was a band called the super bees i remember seeing them because they crashed at my place you know <laughs> i remember bands from just like they're just like hey man you're partying kind of late and they're like uh you mind if we crash at your place and it's like yeah, sure. How many how many guys are in the band? Because I'm living in like you know 250 square feet, right? At the Alhambra building, but which was a crazy, crazy place. You do your laundry and like literally be chickens just walking around. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, man. It's just like families had chickens in the building. Yeah, and I didn't. You know, for me, it was just like that seems reasonable. Anyways, I was going to tell a story about seeing a show at Hemlock years ago. I guess it was the early early 2000s. I was going to say late 90s, but I don't think it was there yet. Um, <laughs> it's good to be fact-checked every once in a while <laughs> on, a, on a semi-live podcast. But Maybe th- we've got a couple of weeks, so maybe I will do my due diligence that's and fine. really find out when it I, I need to know, too. I, you know, I still go there a lot, and it's a great place. But uh, there was a band called the Piranhas from Detroit. You remember them? No. Did you ever hear the Piranhas? Okay. I don't. They were this really cool band. They'd made a couple singles that were great. Uh, and I, I started, you know, bugging their manager. It's like, hey, you got to do a West Coast tour. You guys got to come out here. I can get you a gig. I didn't actually get them the gig at Hemlock, but I just kept bugging this guy. And finally, he's like, all right, yeah, we're going to L.A., Portland, Seattle, wherever, San Francisco. And they did a show at the Hemlock. And I showed up early, and I was just, like, <laughs> so happy. And I was just like, I'm so happy you guys are here. And I was talking to the manager. And, like, you know, the band was really cool. And, you know, we're getting drunk and just having fun. and But the, you know, they're from Detroit and they have that, like, kind of Iggy Pop, Stooges, like, you know, fuck you in the face type attitude. And, but I was just, they had they had an organ. They had, like, a Farfisa. It was just like a weird punk band. 
and I was so excited, man. I had all their fucking records, all you know, everything they'd made up to that point. And they get on stage, but you know, the, the lead singer, like he's a guy that cuts himself. He he does this mm-hmm. Iggy Pop mm-hmm. type of thing, which is cool. Which to me is like sometimes distracting. It's like I just want to I just want to see the band, you know. Right. But whatever, man. It was all about him. The guy gets up on a little tiny table. You know, the the band had just started, and they're they're fucking wild, man. It's a really crazy sound. This guy gets up, he falls off the table, lands on a pint glass. His hand was cut open, like just, and it was like arterial blood just like squishing out of his hand, just like blood everywhere. And he was freaked out. He's looking at it. There's like blood squirting in his face, and there's blood all over the place. And the guy just, I mean, this is like within 30 seconds of the band starting. And I was just like, huh? And he runs out the back door, you know, the back door there Mm -hmm. in the hemlock, and just keeps running. And like I literally, I'm looking out the little window, and he's just like fucking running down the alley, and the band's just like looking at each other, and they just like they, they keep playing. No, they finish the song. And they're just like, all right, we're done. <laughs> it was so disappointing because I really, really, truly, I mean, more than any band in so long, I wanted to see this like little tiny itty bitty punk rock band from nowhere doing their thing, and I never really heard what happened after that. I was gonna ask, yeah. I mean, where did he run? I don't know. <laughs> But it was like he was on fire. It wasn't, you know, I mean, why would you run if you're like bleeding to death? Yeah, maybe. I mean, wrap it up and I mean, you know, people do weird (laughs) shit when they get hurt, but sure. It was, it was strange. (laughs) And I waited around. I was like, I was like, all right, maybe he'll come back. Maybe they'll they'll get the the blood. But I mean, in that case, you go to general hospital and a vascular surgeon like sews your arteries back together. Yeah. And you move on from there. So wait, he fell on a pint glass. Was it, was the. Did he break it in the fall? I or think was so. Already, okay. I mean, you know, it's kind of dark there, but I mean, he jumped he, up on a little tiny table. They used to have these, uh, maybe they still do. And he just like, he was up there singing and he just like fell and everything smashed. It happened really fast, obviously. <laughs> and he just stood up and there's just blood squirting in his face so from his own hand. Python movie in front yeah. of his face. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Jeez. Yeah, so that was mildly disappointing, but you know, it, it made for a good story. My ex-girlfriend knew this girl, and I went to her wedding in Texas, mm-hmm. in San Antonio, and I made her and her, uh, you know, they're divorced now, of course, but, of course. you know, I saw her, she's like, oh, yeah, you're that guy, you made that tape, you made us that tape, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was amazing, their wedding was great, it was, like, on top of this little, like, mini skyscraper with, like, you know, like this amazing band and all this cool stuff, and she literally said, the only thing left from that marriage is the tape holy shit the only good thing left from and their kid and i was just like whoa that's kind of cool that's yeah yeah yeah. and now she's lasting like, yeah no it's great so i you know saw her at the makeout room she was djing it was just it's just cool to like you know have that connection with other people but what i was gonna say is lately i've been going through all because i you know ocd brain was just like write down every song you ever made on any of these mixtapes and i made like 30 40 tapes for certain people yeah so I've been digging through all those songs and just like looking for like, you know, it's like, it's, we're talking like 25 years ago, yeah, 30 years ago. And just like kind of going through all these, you know, thousands and thousands of songs and every once in a while I'm like, oh shit, I forgot about that song. So then I look it up, I see if I, it's on my iTunes, I see if I have the record and then all of a sudden I have this exciting thing to play on my radio show. One of 40. Yeah. <laughs> Check it one, out. One of 40. <laughs> yeah. You, you build around these old songs or, you know, it's just cool to revisit a song you haven't heard in a long time totally you know and that's what music is you know it's like it's it's just always a, a good friend it's always going to be there for you yeah and it's always going to make you happy I mean, there's obviously a few songs are going to make you sad remind you of whatever but 
that's kind of what I like about doing the show, you know, it's just like trying to tell a story with, with those 40 songs or, you know, have themes. I don't get too thematic, but, you know, it's, it's just, it tells a story and it, it tells something about you. And I mean, that's what I like about DJing in, in general. It's like, holy shit, this guy's really fucking cool. Or you walk into a place and it's like, this is whack as shit. This guy doesn't know anything about music or whatever. You know, it's like, it's, it's more, but generally it's just a positive thing, which, you know, we need more of that in this world. Yeah. I mean, you could say that more so now, but, but you always have needed, there's always been negativity and we always need music is the one, like, you know, it just breaks through the, that great double helix. It's just like, boom, it's there. Yeah. You enjoy it. You know what it is. Kids dance to it. Old people dance to it. I don't know. Where'd you get the name? Tighten your tighten your wig. Uh, tighten up your wig. Tighten up your. I wig. I stole that from a Steppenwolf song, mm-hmm. actually, and that's stolen from a uh, an old blues song. I don't remember the name, but yeah, yeah, man, it's it just came off the top of my head. So you know, I I met this guy, and he's like, we were talking about music at a bar, and he's like, hey, man, you want a radio show? And I was like, yeah, sure, fuck it, and. <laughs> He's like, all right, give me a call within 24 hours. As all great endeavors start. I know, yeah. It was, it was. Want to do this? Yeah, sure. I'd never, you know, I never did college radio. Okay. I'd never even seen college radio. I've never been on anyone else's show. Because you're always going to influence people. And that's, that's the cool thing about being a DJ. It's like, people will come up to you and just be like, holy shit, what is that? And I do that too. It's just like, what the fuck is that? Yep. And when you have that moment, like everyone's happy, right? Mm -hmm. The DJ is like stoked that you're recognizing their cool music. And you know it's, and you're learning stuff, and you and, yeah. and then and then you get to go look that yeah. band up and get oh yeah more of their music right, and then now you know like we we're saying, now it's easier to do that than ever before, and that's cool. I mean that's that's always a positive, you know, because people they bitch about that. It's like oh these young kids have it so easy now. It's like who gives a shit? If I would have had it that easy back in the day, I would be that much further ahead with my own taste level, you know. Yeah. But I, th- I think, you know, it's kind of cool. I work with this this dude. You know, he's he's like in his late 20s or whatever. And he'll play music while we're working. And he'll play like, you know, some shit from like the 20s and 30s. I'm like, holy shit, how do you know all these old songs? He's like, oh, it's in a video game, man. I'm like way into this <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so that that's, you're okay. starting to see that. Because no one turned me on to like 20s jazz. Yeah. Or like, you know, whatever it may be. And that's exciting. I mean, for me, that's just... Because that's going to flower into something else for someone else, mm-hmm. for someone else, maybe ten years from now. You know, it's like, oh shit, yeah, I really like you know jazz from the '30s. It's like, really? From a video game? From a video game? Who knew? I know. I mean, I knew that the pr- video game production values are like insane. Yeah. But I thought it was mostly the the play and the animation. I think a lot of it is now the you know because <coughs> again, music just makes everything enhanced mm-hmm. and. You know, when you're when you're shooting the bad guy or, you know, the Red Baron's like flying through. What I, mean, I have no idea what's going on <laughs> in these games. But, I mean, I, I'm assuming they're they're like old timey type games. But yeah, they're playing all this old stuff and like young kids are getting exposed to this shit. And it's just, it's like, wow. Well, we should probably talk about uh, the go-go ballet uh, experience. Or uh, I like to talk about DJing in san francisco or just like some of the weird experiences i've done or had you know goofing around with the djing thing I mean, one thing i've done through the years is i have a couple portable record uh players so when i go we go up the coast we'll go to like point arena or big sur or wherever you know 
Places on the coast. I could go for like a week and just hang out, like hot tub and goof around. Ooh, yeah. But I always bring a lot of records and I'll just like wildcat DJ. I'll just walk into a place. And I mean, they're really suspicious. These little <laughs> tiny towns on the coast. You walk in, I mean, like the music stops, everyone looks mm-hmm. at you. Auslander. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <clears throat> you know, have a couple of drinks and convince the bartender that, you know, you have good music. Because I always have like surf music. I'll have like old music. I have a lot of like weird shit. So it's like, you can make pretty much everyone happy. I'll, I'll bring some country music, you know, whatever it takes. But once you get the locals kind of like, uh, you know, their confidence, like it's just, it's on. So then you can like DJ night after night <laughs> or as much as you want pretty much. And, the, and it, you know, it spreads like wildfire. It's like, oh yeah, there's a weird guy from San Francisco here with a bunch of cool music, man. Check it out. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've done like, you know, the Henry Miller Library. Oh, nice. I've done, you know, bars in, in Big Sur that are really like super local only type of place, you know. It's always been a lot of fun, but and up north too, like Point Arena is a great town. There's there's a really great bar there called uh, what is it? Something, uh, the sign of the whale. Mm. And like the doors always shut, so it's like you look in, you're like, okay, not probably not the place to go in. That's a locals only joint. Yeah, I've DJed there a few times, but anyways, my girlfriend Leonora, she and I, you know, we're always together on these trips, and we've done some really cool things in San Francisco. Also, she's a trained ballet dancer. Okay. But she, you know, that doesn't mean a whole lot when it's like four in the morning and you're just like boogieing around your own apartment. <laughs> so she and she likes, you know, the '60s go-go type dancing, the boogaloo and all these like old weird dances. So she'll do like the boogaloo on point. You know, she'll be like doing these like classic ballet type moves. So that was always to me that was just always awesome. And I was like, oh yeah, do that thing, do that fucking, <laughs> you know. So at some point I'm like, all right. And it was funny. She she just got her first job, and we were like at this happy hour in some horrible place in Chinatown, and uh, it's like called Z sixty five. They had like Jello shots. It's <laughs> it's in an alley. It's actually kind of awesome. But <laughs> we cracked this little thing where it's like okay, I'll like have my portable record player and I'll play some like old punk rock, and you dance classical ballet to like this awful music. And it sounds shitty. It sounds like a blender. It's awful. Really, really awful sounding because like one speaker, it's not in stereo. It's just it's awful. One speaker, two tracks. Yeah, yeah. Three chords. A couple <laughs> chords. Yeah, not <laughs> not more than three or four <laughs> chords. And then you know she's like five foot ten. She's like on point. She's like six foot three or whatever. And she's just like doing these like classical moves. Oh my God. And you know so it's like we did this a couple times. But one of the first gigs we had was on Bush Street, my the street I live on, a couple like less than a block from where we're, we're sitting now. This uh, this kid, uh, Sean Stewart, really cool dude. He he just fucking moved into this old uh, shoe store or whatever, and he started a revolutionary bookstore, like half a block from here, right? And they're setting things up, and it's really cool. And he was around. He he was like way into like bringing in like local artists, a lot of really good painters, and like. Because downtown, I mean, within like six blocks of here, there's so many good artists. It's insane. Yep. And I mean, I got to know a lot of them because of this this bookstore. Mm-hmm. But we were the first act. So I played like some shitty old like, you know, Fear Records or whatever. Yeah. And Leonora was dancing. And then it kind of evolved. She started doing more like 60s go-go. And that was like go-go ballet. And, you know, it was fun, man. We, we, we did our act there like three or four times. And then we started doing other places. I, we've done like, you know... Places in the mission. The so the whole the whole act was called Go Go Ballet. No, the the, the act or was called. We changed the name every time. 
I think it started out as uh, the kittens of dysfunction, <laughs> whatever the other names. I don't remember. We do these elaborate signs. And at the time, I was doing like weird sculpture with like wire, like wire sculpture. This kind of elaborate, like um, uh, what else? Kittens of dysfunction. And we had we had another name that kind of became the name. And yeah, we we were doing like promos and like people were taking our photographs. We were kind of trying to promote it a little bit, but for the most part, it was just like you just you just show up and do your thing. But I wanted to like expand it. I wanted to start doing like you know like. I had all these like weird ideas, you know, just like open up for bands. You could open up for anything because I, I, it doesn't matter what kind of music I play. She's like such a beautiful dancer. That's just like, like you can't say no to this act. Yeah. You can do it anywhere. And we've done it in some pretty bizarre places, but are there any other punk rock ballet acts that you know? of? No. I, I mean, I wish there were a hell of a lot yeah, more. I right? wish there was some competition out there. Music. I mean, yeah, no, it's, there should be. I mean, SF Ballet is amazing, mm-hmm. you know. If you would have asked me 10 years ago if I'd be going to the ballet four or five times a year, I'd say absolutely not. But SF Ballet is cool, man. They actually do some rock and roll ballet. I mean, there's some really good choreographers at SF Ballet. And, I mean, Leonora, my girlfriend, she's she's like an ambassador for, for SF Ballet. Okay. And I actually really enjoy going. And they're she doing Frankenstein. They're doing Frankenstein on Friday. That. Yeah, so I'm that's... really into that. But they did, they did one... I can't remember the name. I think it's called Kronos or Chroma years ago. Uh, it was like they did this ballet to a White Stripes song, hmm. you know? So it's like ballet is actually, you know, it's it's not necessarily just for blue haired people anymore. Right. Yeah. Nice. And Michelle, she's someone that comes to ballet with us. So yeah. now we just have a gang of, mm-hmm. and like some cool people. It's, it's not like just a bunch of prissy, people who are like yeah let's go to the ballet it's like no we go to the ballet you get like 17 bottles of champagne and do is it, it upright a, is it affordable uh it's not Tickets too bad are a little yeah but you i mean but it's, it's it's but you get what you pay for you get what you pay for you definitely get there's a lot i've never left there just being like oh that sucked right it's never a waste of, of money at all um you can get day of tickets too i mean if you go like on a tuesday it's like 25 bucks that's not bad but I, I think there's a lot of um you know, value for the money. And these people, like, they hobble their feet. I mean, they, 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 they've, they die for their craft, man. Yeah. Yeah. We just went to the symphony with a, a friend of mine who'd never been. And it was just, it was, it's just kind of like really awesome to see the people you go with. Just like they're so, like, they're on like cloud nine. Mm. And I, I mean, I am too almost every time. It's just like that was really fucking awesome, mm-hmm. you know? And you need more of that in your life. Cause I mean, you know, when you see a really great show, or someone you've just been anticipating seeing for a long time, or something that just like took you by surprise and was really great, like that—that that keeps you going for three or four days. Yep. Sometimes weeks at a time. I mean, I'll still be thinking about, you know, and that, that's something we do a lot: seeing live music. And there's so much of it here. It's just like if you're if you're not doing stuff like that, you're one of the people that are complaining about. Oh, San Francisco's dying. It's not as good as it used to be. Right. And it's like you know what? Get out there and actually, you know what, dude? I would like to have like a little column. Or at least like start making lists of like what makes San Francisco great, and maybe it could come out in whatever you know. It doesn't have to be the you know the SF Chronicle or whatever, but it's just like you know like North Beach. What are the greatest places in North Beach? The Suvios, Specs, the Saloon. Like if you live in San Francisco, you haven't been to the Saloon in the last month. Saloon still does live music. Fuck yeah, yeah, seven nights a week, man. Yeah. Please remember to follow Storied San Francisco on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
All the episodes and Michelle Kilfeather's photos of storytellers are up on the website, storiedsf.com. Other ways to listen include Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can reach us by email at storiedsf at gmail.com. Music for the podcast is by Joe Bigale. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Thanks for listening. Check back next week and we'll hear from Red Cross Disaster Program Specialist Allison Bittinger.